Hail Traveler, and welcome back to my informational D&D podcast, where I attempt to spark some fresh ideas for your campaign. Grab some mashed potatoes and a leftover turkey leg now, because for the next 20 minutes, I'll be covering ways you can level up your campaign's environment by discovering your preferred playstyle and through population of interactable objects. I'm your dungeon's unlicensed interior designer, Alan Niles, and this is Outside the Dice. I don't think there's really a wrong way to DM so long as everyone at the table is having a good time. Sometimes characters will fail and that's not always a good time for players, but if the story is exciting and the experience is fun, the DM is probably doing an okay job. No matter how the DM prefers to run their campaign, I believe it will always fall on this specific spectrum. Sandboxing and railroading. On one end, you have sandbox gameplay, where the DM creates a world, fills it with stuff, and lets the players just go ham. It's like playing Sims and just letting your game run and see what your Sims do on their own while you go to the kitchen to make a sandwich, only to come back and realize you didn't buy any fire extinguishers for your home, and the Sims you created don't work well in a crisis. On the other end of the spectrum, there's railroading, which is when the DM doesn't necessarily create a world, but rather creates a plot. The NPCs, the towns, the events, and even the player characters all serve the main story, which is dictated by the DM, and player autonomy is essentially non-existent. Neither approach is objectively better than the other, and honestly, I think both methods would probably make pretty terrible game sessions. But these are two radicals of a spectrum, which means gameplay usually falls somewhere between those two extremes. So what does playstyle have to do with the game's environment? I bring up these styles of gameplay because I think there's a direct correlation between style of gameplay and how much attention is given to the environment. The more autonomous the DM allows players to behave, the more attention needs to be given to the environment the players are playing in, because doing whatever you want in a sandbox is pretty boring if there's nothing in the sandbox to play with. The more the DM is railroading the players, the less attention the DM has to focus toward the environment, because the features that can be interacted with have already been determined. From my personal experience, I would say that most campaigns lend themselves away from open sandbox gameplay because I think DMs usually have some event in mind to bring everyone together, some story they want to play out. Typically, that's how my DMing tends to go as well, though I try to never outright railroad my players to a destination, but the campaign is tighter in terms of decision availability. For example, and I brought up my long-winded campaign a couple episodes ago, so this may sound familiar, but in the story I homebrewed, I sent my players all across the realm to find these ancient warriors to stop the approaching evil. I knew exactly where the ancient warriors were located, and I created very specific dungeons for each one. But the players were only given general locations for each one. 
As far as where the players decided to travel, how they went about finding out more information on specific locations, and which warrior they decided to move toward first was entirely up to the players. What I believe is important, and what adds value to a session, is the inclusion and population of interactable objects. There is a difference between creating an environmental backdrop and an interactive setting. I think that no matter what style of gameplay you favor, a session is going to be a mix of when to railroad players and when to offer an open sandbox. If the characters are on a mission to ask the lord of a keep for a favor, when do we allow the players to make their own decisions? If we're railroading the players, the DM might narrate as tasked to deliver an urgent message from the king, the party travels through the forest, and after several days of travel, sees a modest town in the distance. They arrive at the gates and pass through without incident, and move through a bustling marketplace on their way to the Lord's Keep. The party moves through the doors, where they are ushered down the hall, and meet the Lord within his chamber. Listen, sometimes you just gotta get your players there. But there is a vast amount of information your players just received, only to be glossed over and brought to the main objective. In a situation like this, there's no value being added from the scenery, and there's no mechanical reason the characters need to travel so far if it's only via railroading. The DM could have just as easily said, Tasked to deliver an urgent message from the king, the party walks into the next room over and meets the lord within his chamber. So the question is when to allow players to interact with their surroundings, and what can you as the DM plan for to make those interactions interesting? There's no single answer to this, because the answer is whatever is important to the DM whatever is necessary to the plot, or whatever would make the experience more fun for the players. Maybe the players are railroaded from the king through the forest to the town, but the town is where options open up with things like side quests, random encounters, or quest complications. Maybe the lord is having some sort of Celebration the same night that the party arrived, and does not want any disturbances, but the party needs to get the message to him right away. Now the characters have a complication to face, which is a perfect time to decide on a choice of gameplay style. Railroading might look like a seedy-looking individual calling the party over to a dark corner and saying they can help the party get into the Lord's Keep. So even though the party has a complication, one solution is being offered to the party to advance the plot. A sandbox could look like the DM saying, so what does the party do next, without offering any potential solutions. I think whenever possible, playing somewhere in the middle is the most interesting and engaging way to go. An open sandbox where players can choose to do whatever they want, but with some key points figured out ahead of time that would allow players to progress in their quest. It could be considered railroading in that, no matter how the players go about it, their next destination will be speaking with the Lord and delivering the message, but allowing the players different options with different consequences is much more engaging than offering only 
the single solution. You might decide there's a window open on the third story, but you only tell the players if they succeed on a perception check, which is only called if the players say they want to check out the keep or look for a way in. They may also notice the shady individual making deals in the shadows or notice the entertainers all preparing for the night's big performance. Now players have the option of scaling the keep, asking the shady dealer for help, or sneaking in with the performers. Or another option the players come up with on their own, like setting fire to a building and hoping the guards leave their station so they can waltz in through the front. Anytime a player gets to do something, it will be more engaging and more rewarding than to simply listen to exposition. But make sure that you have some options planned so the players have a solution available. There are DMs who prefer to just create complications without a solution, and leave it up to the players to create their own solution to a problem. If the players are beginners, though, some options might be helpful, even if those options are not all divulged to the players immediately. But I have to wonder, <laughs> Christopher Wacken, but I have to wonder if the DM is offering solutions for the players to get somewhere, even if there are multiple choices available, is that still considered railroading? Like most of my answers so far on this episode, I don't know. It depends, because one could argue that the very nature of D&D is railroading. If the DM has created a campaign in which the players are expected to defeat a lich at the end, then it could be argued that the campaign itself is on a single track. I don't quite agree with that logic, because I think that an understanding is reached the moment the players agree to play in the DM's story. In the scenario I mentioned before, even offering separate options for the players to get inside the keep might be considered railroading, but only under a certain condition. Do the options presented to the players have potential repercussions that differ from one another? If the answer is no, then the players are being railroaded. If you've got option A, option B, and option C to get past an obstacle, and Virtually, they're all the same thing, and they have no difference in their consequence. I think that's railroading. If the answer is yes, and the options do have different consequences, then even if the end goal is the same, getting to the Lord and delivering the message, I think the story can offer more intriguing options for the players and moves further from railroading and closer to that gray area of the spectrum. Let's say the players decide they want to ask Shady Guy for help. He might ask the players to do a job for him first, he might ask the players to pay him before leading them through a sewer entrance, or he may agree and tell the players they owe him a favor. And depending on any of those circumstances, if the players perform well, they might gain standing with Shady Guy and his Shady Pals at the Shady Club. Or if the players don't do well, they might be marked as targets. Sneaking through the window might be a series of skill checks, whereas sneaking in with the entertainers might lead to a combat encounter, as the players discover the entertainers are actually assassins. If each option yields different rewards or consequences, but the players can only choose one, I think the stakes get raised, and the gameplay is more exciting. The downside to this is the DM will potentially put in a lot of work for choices that may never be discovered by the party. 
It would be terrible if an entire encounter was planned out for the entertainers and a labyrinthine map was designed for the sewer system and the players just decided to chuck a fireball at the front gate. If you find that you've created some options, but you've put way more effort into choice A than into choice B, I think it's okay to railroad the players to get to choice A, if that's where player options and autonomy open up. Plus, you put in all that effort for an area, you should be rewarded too by having the players actually experience what you've created. When complications arise in the story, I think that figuring out the options you'd like to give your players is important and the first thing to decide. The second thing to decide is how you're going to present those options within the world of the game. Here's the tough part. After deciding on a few potential paths the players could take to solve a complication, think of all the ways the characters could go about performing those options. Like, if the players have the option of sneaking in with the performers, how could they sneak in? There might be a rack with costumes available, and the characters could simply disguise themselves. There might be a wagon full of props that the characters can climb into and stow away in. The players might overhear the performers are waiting for guards to escort them in, and the characters are able to disguise themselves in guard uniforms instead of performer costumes. There may be limited supplies for either disguise, or limited room in the cart, forcing players to choose who is best suited for which role. You could also consider ways the party makeup could be utilized. If farmers are delivering livestock to be slaughtered for a grand feast and the party has a druid, the druid could use wild shape to blend in with the livestock and get into the keep. What happens after that? Probably another complication, but we'll let the druid worry about that once they're inside. Maybe there is an event planner of some kind, but the only information the guards have about them is that they're an extremely irritable person. Sounds like the perfect cover for the barbarian to get inside. It's entirely possible that players won't discover one or more of these options, but by populating the world with the options and at least having the choices available, the players could feel like there's less pressure to figure out creative solutions every single time a complication is introduced. I think it's more rewarding when a player has an idea to blow a hole in a wall and asks, are there any oil casts nearby, for the answer to be yes, or no, not nearby, but you may be able to find some in town. I'm also not saying to populate your world with oil casks just lying around everywhere, but it's nice when a player has an idea that can be supported by objects you've placed in the world. Whenever the players run into a complication that impedes quest progression, Think of the possible ways players could overcome that obstacle, and the objects and NPCs in the world that would lend toward those solutions. This can also be done for combat purposes, Razzmatazz. like if the characters run into a combat encounter in a wine cellar. Think of what objects would exist in that area. The area would probably look like aisles of wine racks with maybe some crates or barrels in certain areas. The crates could probably offer areas to hide to avoid a combat encounter entirely, or, if a fight breaks loose, could provide half cover from attacks. 
Maybe a wine rack could be tipped over. Or if the players are fighting a mage who enjoys casting the catapult spell, the mage isn't just surrounded by wine bottles, but by a near-infinite supply of ammunition. Or if a bottle is thrown and smashed on the ground, it could offer the same effects as the caltrop item. Players might not always utilize objects in that way, but by just having the option to interact with the environment available, gameplay is enhanced. Also, if the enemies you control keep shooting arrows from behind cover, the players will probably catch on and start doing the same. There's this game I played that had cool ways to interact with the environment. I, I think it was Splinter Cell Double Agent or something, but it was definitely one of the Splinter Cell games. In the Splinter Cell franchise, you play as an elite spy named Sam Fisher, and there's a lot of object interaction available even from the earliest games, like shooting out lights and utilizing darkness as much as possible. In Double Agent specifically, though, Every once in a while, you would have to interrogate a bad guy, and the area would be a small little sandbox. As you move around the room, you find that there are different items to interact with. Like, one interrogation, you confront the bad guy in a bathroom, and you can smash their head into a toilet or into the sink or a mirror and stuff. Pretty violent stuff, but it was pretty cool object interaction. It can be tough to think of objects to interact with when you have no reference. I think the best place to start, though, is figuring out what obstacle the players have to bypass. And you can figure that out from the quest. The players are tasked to go to the top of a tower and slay the monster that lives there. Cool. Got the quest. Now, what are all the ways that quest can go wrong? The characters get to the top of the tower, and the monster has already escaped. The characters get to the top of the tower, and the monster is there, but none of their weapons seem to affect it. The characters go to slay the monster, but an NPC from town stops them and says the monster is their love under a curse. The characters get to the tower, and there's no monster at all. It was all a trap set for the players themselves. Think of the most exciting complications you possibly can, and pick whichever fits your story the best, or you would find the most fun to play through. Once you have your complication, you can start thinking of objects specific to the obstacle at hand. But if you want to just populate your world with more objects to interact with, and other ways to interact with the environment, the best place to start is in the real world. One of my favorite things to do is to go to the grocery store and imagine there's a minotaur loose in the store. Look at all the objects that are around you and think of how you could interact with those things in that situation. I'm originally from central Florida, so I never actually experienced a forest, or at least what I imagine a forest would be like in a fantasy setting, until I moved to LA. If I stand next to a stream, even a shallow one, it becomes very difficult to hear. I would have assumed it would take a river rapid to drown out noise, but even the smallest creek can make hearing difficult if you're standing right beside it, and I would have never known that before moving to LA. Throw that into your campaign. If an enemy or a character is next to a creek, give them disadvantage on any perception check to listen. 
A rogue would have an easier time sneaking up on someone while their back is turned, and not have to worry about stepping on a lone twig and catching the attention of a hundred bandits. Observe the world around you, and draw from that to create an immersive, interactive world to heighten the experience of your players. Think of how you can add objects and options to allow players to overcome obstacles. Pay attention to your style of gameplay and decide when it best fits the story to move the characters through some exposition or to allow them freedom in a sandbox, and what moments would be the most fun or rewarding to play through. And of course, I hope there was a little bit of information you can take away from this episode that inspires you to think outside the dice.